Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. Ah, it's summertime again, and you know what that means, folks. Not only do we have the sweet sounds of nature surrounding us, like songbirds in the woods or the soft, relaxing sounds of babbling brooks, but as midsummer approaches and we get closer to July 4th, we also hear the raucous reminder of our country's rather noisy beginning when musket fire and cannons help secure our independence. Oh, uh, what's that you say? We've already passed July 4th and uh, are now well into the month of August? Hmm, I think I need a new calendar. I kind of lost track where we are in the great timeline of history. Yeah! Well, nowadays, very few of us have access to old-fashioned muskets. And fewer still just happen to have a working Revolutionary War cannon in our backyards. But to make up for that, of course, we have an equally ear-shattering alternative. The fine, long-standing tradition of fireworks. Now, as many of you know, fireworks was not an American original. It was actually the Chinese who invented fireworks, way back around the 2nd century BC. The very first natural firecrackers were bamboo stalks that were thrown into a fire and wound up exploding with a really big bang thanks to the overheating of the compartmentalized hollow air pockets in the bamboo. The ancient Chinese believed these early firecrackers would ward off evil spirits. <laughs> that was actually the Big Bang Theory of earlier times. Whoa. Now fast forward to about 600 to 900 AD, and the next step in the evolution of fireworks was when a Chinese chemist mixed potassium nitrate, sulfur, and charcoal to produce a black flaky powder, the earliest ancestor of what we now refer to as gunpowder. Well, back in those days, they stuffed the black powder into hollowed-out bamboo sticks. Uh, yes, it seems like bamboo was a common denominator here, being as they had so much of it in China. And later, when they got tired of using bamboo, they switched to stiff paper tubes. And thus, the very first fireworks were born, way out there in China. By the 13th and 15th centuries, fireworks had made their way to Europe, where the Italians became the undisputed masters of the art of pyrotechnics. And that, friends, is our brief history lesson for today. Now, growing up in the great state of New Jersey, our first exposure to fireworks was generally at a public fireworks display, usually held in some large open field or a local park. Of course, as kids, we wanted to get in on the action, too. Boys will be boys! So you know those long strips of red paper we used in our toy cap guns? Each one of those little dots held a minuscule amount of gunpowder, which, when activated by the hammer action of a cap gun, or by pounding a good-sized rock against it, produced a small, barely audible bang, sometimes accompanied by a tiny flash of light as the gunpowder ignited. So for those of us more inventive types, we figured out ways to put a whole bunch of caps together in order to get an even bigger bang. Not that much bigger, but it was a slight improvement. 
One time we even tried scraping out the black powder from the original caps to collect it all in a bigger pile of gunpowder. After a few accidents and singed eyebrows, we gave up on that approach. Uh-oh. And from there, as we got older, we began lusting for even larger and louder alternatives, like M80s and cherry bombs. Now you have to understand, back in those days in the great enlightened state of New Jersey, we had laws on the books that actually prohibited private citizens from setting off fireworks. It was for our own safety, they said. And more importantly, they didn't want us burning down old man O'Leary's cow barn every year. It also got a little old for the various fire departments, who were constantly responding to fireworks accidents during the months of June and July. So for many homegrown fireworks fans, the alternative was to travel to some nearby state where it was still legal to sell fireworks to ordinary consumers. Now, from my present-day vantage point, I can no longer remember whether Pennsylvania was on that list of fireworks states way back when, in the 1950s and 60s. But I do know that Pennsylvania does sell fireworks today, according to more recent legislation. So, back to the story at hand. In those long-ago growing-up years, it was probably a good bet that families vacationing down south, in states like North Carolina, South Carolina, or Florida, probably bought their fireworks down there and brought them back home with them when they returned north. Or at least that's my theory. If you happen to know of a different scenario, I'm open to suggestions. Well anyway, back to our tale of homegrown fireworks. As kids, we are often so fascinated by the simple act of lighting a fuse that we often resorted to other measures to obtain our illicit fireworks. We'd even buy substitutes like magical snakes. Remember those? <laughs> you could purchase them from one of those novelty companies that you found in the comic books. Basically, once you lit the little black pellet, it would spew out about 6 to 12 inches worth of ash, which came out as one long, continuous strand, looking a little bit like the snake coming out of a snake charmer's basket. And once you did that, of course, if you were a good little boy, you'd then have to clean up the mess you just made. Ooey gooey. Usually about the only other substitutes we were allowed to use were sparklers, or their cheap cousins, punks. Sparklers at least gave you a little flash for your money. Punks, on the other hand, were these thin wooden sticks, a little like today's incense sticks, which were only good for keeping away mosquitoes. And then there were cattails, the original punks created by Mother Nature. Once on a trip back from Lake Opatcon, my old man stopped by the roadside along the interstate to cut down some cattails to bring home with us. Unfortunately, we discovered that freshly cut cattails didn't do much of anything until you left them out in the sun for several days to fully dry out. But once they did, they too could be used as a mosquito repellent. Where I grew up in Linden, New Jersey, our annual 4th of July fireworks display took place at Warnenko Park, which was only a few blocks away from my house. So very often on the day after July 4th, some friends and I would head out to the park to the launch site just to see if we could spot any unused fireworks that still happened to be lying around on the ground. 
Generally, we never had much luck doing that. It seems that the professional fireworks crew was pretty thorough in cleaning up after themselves, making sure not to leave any unlaunched missiles behind. Over the years, I've had the privilege of watching fireworks displays in a lot of different places around the country, like Disneyland in California, or over Lake Erie in Cleveland, Ohio, or from a rooftop vantage point in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where they also like to shoot off their personal handguns and pistols along with the fireworks. (laughs) But to this day, one of my all-time favorite fireworks exhibitions was in Boston, Massachusetts at the annual First Night Celebration held on New Year's Eve. At the time, we were all freezing our butts off in the cold New England weather. But when it came time for the fireworks, all that was quickly forgotten as we were treated to a really up-close and personal fireworks display directly overhead, right there in the middle of the big city. That was truly a night to remember. And it was especially nice that we didn't have to worry about losing a finger or blowing ourselves up in the process. Fire when ready, Ripley. You've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm Tom Nielsen. See you next time. Hi, this is Tom Nielsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're invited to hear more of our episodes at A Look Behind and Rewind. And feel free to share our link with friends, family, and others, as well as following us on buzzsprout.com, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts.